0: Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3 uh, verses 10 through 18 tonight. Uh, One of the things as we've been studying through 2 Peter, we're going to conclude out um, the chapter tonight and we're going to be um, finished with 2 Peter. But 2 Peter has been an amazing book so far. And so um, before we get started tonight, I'd love to to pray. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. And so Father God, we uh, we lift up this study to you tonight, Lord, and Lord, we ask as Paul, as before we came on, he prayed, Father, we, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit that he comes here to teach us, to open up our hearts, to help us to see you much more clearly, Father. Lord, tonight as we come, Lord, and many things on our minds, Father, may we uh, erase them for the next few minutes, Father, and may we um, concentrate on the things um, that you have for us tonight, Father. We ask that you would be with us in the study tonight, Father, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So here we go, um, verses 10 through 18 tonight. And so here we go, starting in verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for the hastening, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look, look for new heaven and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long sufferings of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also all his epistles, speaking them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. And so as we've been studying through Second Peter, this has been an amazing study, but it's just so encouraging to me as we get here to the very last section verses 10 through 18, we get into the last section and we see one of the things that Peter wants to speak of eschatology. One of the things that, you know, I had to look up the word myself and eschatology is a study of end times. And we see that Peter is going to speak about the end. And we read through through uh, through the chapter there, through the verses, and we saw exactly what the Lord is speaking about. But I'd like to draw you back into the very first part of chapters, uh, chapter three, one through nine. And we see something in this, that one of the things that we see right away that, that Peter was warning the people that scoffers would come in the very end of days, that scoffers would come. And one of the things that they would say is say, where is the promises of God, of his return? Where are they? We've been waiting and we haven't seen. And they, one of the things that they said, they said that since the beginning of creation, nothing has changed. And, and I love this because right away that we see that they that Peter told them, well, you seem to forget that when the Lord spoke the universe into existence, you seem to forget that the Lord spoke those things. And then he said also to bring alongside that he told them that also that they seem to forget that the world at one time was so evil that judgment came to the earth and it was brought the judgment was taken by the flood. And we remember that Noah was in the ark and it came to the flood that came. And he said, you seem to forget these things that are happening. And so he gets through that section. He wants to share with them that, that things are changing and the day of the Lord will come. And we're going to see that tonight as we go through the study tonight. But one of the things that I love this when we got into verse eight of of chapter three, one of the things that he spoke about he and and we're very familiar with this because you hear it quoted all the time that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And we speak about these things and these are the timeline that God was using. And so once there there was a, a man. There's a story of about a man and he was, had a conversation with God, and, and he told God, he said, God, I, 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 I'm amazed by your, by your timeline, that eternity, that you live outside the boundaries of time. And, and he said, he said, God, he said, a billion years, what is that to you? And God looked at him and said, that's a second. And he thought about it for a second, the man, and he said, okay, Lord, I, I, so, so it looks like time doesn't have a whole lot of value to you, but what about money? What is a billion dollars to you, God? And so the Lord God looked at him and said, it is a penny. And the man thought about it for a minute and he said, God, can I have a penny? And God said to him, sure, if you'll wait a second. Wait a second. And so we see that God lives outside the boundaries of time. And one of the things that many people, and we got to verse nine and they talked about the, that they said that many times that the Lord, that the slackness of the Lord, that the reason why he hasn't come, but we all know that it is the love that he has for us, that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. This is the love of Christ for us, that this is the reason why he hasn't come. As we study tonight and we get into the day of the Lord, we're going to see that this is a time that judgment will come to the world but we as believers we need not to fear this because this is not for us and we're going to break it down tonight and we're going to try to try to you know understand it more clearly tonight but this is not a time of judgment for us the day of the lord will come but that will not be for us and it's going to speak about it that it's going to come as a thief in the night you see that this is going to be the wrath and the and the judgment that comes upon the world for the people who have denied Christ, who have said that they, they want to either depend upon the law or maybe they wanna, they just want to ignore God altogether. But tonight we're going to see that. There was a, a story one time, and this is why it's so familiar for, for me, that I, I can see the, us in this story. That there was an eight-year-old little girl, and she was given privilege by her mother to have lunch with her father one day a week. And she was so excited. She was eight years old and she was so excited and she told her father, her dad, her daddy, she told him that when she had lunch that she wanted to go to McDonald's and she wanted to have a happy meal. And she looked forward to this day to coming and having lunch with her father. And so her, her mother went in and drove her in and took her inside her father's office. And she took him inside and she sat him down and she said, your father will be with you in a few minutes. He'll come into his chambers. We see that her father is a judge. He is a judge and he is working in a courtroom. And we see that the daughter there comes with expectations of spending time with her father and going and having lunch at McDonald's. But unbeknownst to her on the other side of the wall that there is a prisoner that is in there in the courtroom, getting ready to come to the courtroom that he is in these quarters and he has been convicted of or he, is, he has been charged with murder 187 and he is going to become before the judge. And we see that this prisoner, he is in dread, doesn't want to see the judge because of the things that he's done. And we see that the little girl is a picture of us as believers. We look forward to seeing the judgment of God, knowing that he is our daddy, that he has forgiven us. If we have surrendered our lives to Christ, that he has forgiven us and we not, we don't have to dread meeting the judge, but we're going to see that this day of the Lord is not for us and we're going to see it tonight. And so let's get into study here In, in verse 10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away. With a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. One of the things, as we, as we talked about here, the day of the Lord, it's mentioned 26 times in Scripture. It's mentioned in the Old Testament. It's mentioned in the New Testament. Just some of the, I'm not going to name all 26 of them, but some of them, it's in Isaiah 24, Zephaniah 1, uh, Jeremiah 46, Ezekiel 30, um, Joel 3, um, Romans 2.16, Revelation 6.15, 1 Thessalonians 5. These are just some of the places that we see that it's this reference to the day of the Lord. I wanted to draw your attention, and this is the reason why it's so important that we see this, that we would understand the eschatology, the end time prophecies as they come. You see, the the first day really truly is the day of man. And the day of man is in the age that we're living in right now. It is in the day of man. And this happens when we remember that Adam and Eve were given the opportunity to steward the world. And we are able to, and through that we are privileged. But we see that through them, sin came into the world. and We saw that death comes to the world. But through that we see that ours, as us as human beings, We have muddied up the waters of what God has given to us, the earth and all the things that we've done. But we see that this first one, the day of man, is the time that we're living in right now, that we look forward to another day that is called the day of Christ. The day of Christ is the day that we talk about that we are going to meet the Lord, we are going to be raptured, and we are going to be with the Lord in the clouds. It says there in First Thessalonians 4, right, that we will be caught up. Harpozzled to be with God and the Lord. One of the things that I don't know if he's had a chance to to share it with you, but one of the things that I always look forward to, Joe is always so good as he says goodbye to me each and every week. And he I love this because he always says something to me. He says, I'll either see you here or there or in the air. And I love that because it is a it is a it is a, a trust, it is a, a faith, believing in the promises of God. By saying this to others that we see, that we trust, that we believe in the promises of God, that we know that one day the day of Christ will come and we, we will be raptured and he will take us out of here. One or two things is gonna happen. We are gonna die here and that to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord and that one day that we will come. But that as the day of Christ comes, it will usher in a seven year. Or the tribulation period will usher that in and that we'll see that in those seven years after that will come the day of the Lord. And this is where judgment comes upon the earth now. And this is the reason why it's going to talk here that it's going to come as a thief in the night unexpectedly. But we see the day of Christ. We as believers, people have been talking about the day of Christ. have been talking about it since the church was, has been in existence. They've been talking about the Lord's coming so us as believers, we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. And, and it's so important for us to see that Christ has promised us that he would meet us in the air with him and that we would, these great things would happen. But one of the things as we see, there is also another day as we talked about the day of the Lord. And we're going to see it tonight. If we get into chapter 12, we're going to see that it's called the day of God. And this is where the new heaven and the new earth will come. And this will come after the millennial kingdom. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit tonight. But one of the things that I wanted to see as we go through this verse, and we'll see that it comes as a thief in the night. Um, this comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, um, verses 1 through 6. Um, and it's just such an amazing um, area of scriptures. And it speaks about uh, the coming of Christ. Uh, it speaks about the end of days. And it's here, in, uh, here it is. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 6. And it says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us sleep as others do. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So we see as we talked about the story of the little girl that this is us, that us as believers, that we will not be in surprise when the day of the Lord comes because the Bible says that we, as we get caught up and we go into the heavens on the day of Christ, that we will be with the Lord for seven years, a seven year honeymoon as the Lord returns for his bride, that we will be with the Lord. And the Bible in areas speaks about that we will come with Christ on the day of the Lord as he pours out the, the judgment upon the world, uh, the the Christ-rejecting world, right? That they rejected Christ, that they will come upon them. And it says here that they will have this great noise. And this great noise is is interesting because the Greek word, it speaks about a hissing or or a crackling sound. Uh, I'll get back to this a little later. But as we see that the elements will melt with forever and heat, it says both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And since this is a hot rod Bible study, I know that this is an area that many of us are, are interested in, and, and I thought that I would draw it here tonight. But one of the things that I wanted you to see tonight, that the, the, some of these metals, and, and the first one that's on the list is zinc. It melts at 787 degrees Fahrenheit. Aluminum, 1,220 degrees Fahrenheit, it melts at. And we see copper, 1,983 degrees Fahrenheit. It melts at carbon steel, 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Titanium, 3,038 degrees Fahrenheit. This is a high one. Tungsten steel, 6,152 degrees is what it melts at. And so since the beginning of time, if people studied the Bible and studied the word of God, many times people wondered, what was Peter speaking about here? That things would be all burned up, that the world would come and be burned. But we see that in 1942, there was three, this is interesting as this is the reason why I mentioned it as we, we, we were singing today, God Bless America, a prayer for our country. And we see something in this and I see that these three scientists that sat down together that were Jewish scientists. And, and what's interesting, if you follow their story, that that Albert Einstein, that he was actually left Germany because of the persecution that was coming in the time and that he would come to America. But we see that it is a sovereignty of God that sent him here, that they would develop something that would change the world, that would change the world that we would know. And that this point forward that the Bible's the things that the Bible speaks about that people would understand and have understanding of it. So the three people, the Jewish men are, one of them is Robert Offenheimer. The other one's Enrico uh, Firmi and, of course, Albert Einstein. And in 1942. They, they have a theory and their theory is if you take uranium-235 and you bombard it with neutrons, that it will release energy. And as this theory, as they're they're coming out with this theory and they're thinking about it, they said that this theory must be tested. And so they go to a place in Los Almos, New Mexico. And what's interesting that they build—Ron would love this—they build a structure that they say that the the metal posts on it are ten-inch steel round. That they drop, build this 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 tower that they're going to drop the bomb from. And, they, and they're, they're doing preparations and are moving everything back there in New Mexico. And so there comes the time that they're going to test this theory and they're going to put it all into works. And we all see the, the mushroom cloud that we see as we were children and we grew up and we saw them there. But what, one of the things that they didn't tell us that instantly this structure that was made, that if when they detonated the bomb there in 1945, in July of 1945, they detonated this bomb, that that. Structure that they had made out of ten inch steel disintegrated, it had disintegrated completely, and that there were not the glass they say that the actual sand for from eighteen hundred uh, feet in circumference was turned into glass. The temperature that they say that was there at the blast the estimated temperature there was five five hundred and forty thousand degrees Fahrenheit, and so we see that the Bible now, that how everything will dissolve, and how everything will be, it is speaking, and many times, many, many Bible people that prophecy they speak of this nuclear, that it came about, that this is the thing that will come, that will cause the end of days, and many people, that causes many people to be worried, or be troubled by these things, but we are not to be troubled by these things, because we see that 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 God is allowing these things to happen, that this This old earth is going to pass away. It's all going to burn. Pastor Greg said a couple of weeks ago, don't be worried about certain things. It's all going to burn. But we know that the prophecy of God and the Word of God is true—that these things will come to happen. But one of the things that the interesting things that we dropped—the United States is the only country to drop these nuclear bombs—and the two places right here, and Nagasaki—we're very familiar with this. But one of the things that it—I don't know if I, I don't think I ever saw the sheer numbers that it killed 129,000 people. These two bombs. And they were very, very low, the amount of, uh, you know, they were low neutrons. They didn't have that much in them compared to today. So they say that today, nuclear capabilities, we have the capabilities to to destroy the earth 10 times over. We have the capability to destroy it. And we see these things going on all over the world. But these are the things, but this doesn't always just talk about, and I know this is getting a little lengthy, but this doesn't just speak about nuclear capabilities, that we also see something in God that we see that there could be something more devastating than a nuclear holocaust. We can see that something could be much more devastating. And, and this comes from, it's interesting, this is in the Bible, it comes from Colossians 1. And it says that, it tells us that all things are made and are held together by him. Hebrews 1, three says, he upholds all things uh, with the word of his power. Um, and, and, and so what's so interesting about this is it says that like, um, like uh, charges that they repel, much like magnets. As we were kids, we played with magnets, and we loved the, the part when we put the two magnets together that they repelled, that they, they didn't want to stay together. They repelled each other. But it says that they, they, they... Why is it that they said that these positive charges, these neutrons, are together in an atom that they do not repel? They do not repel. They stay inside. They stay within, the, they stay within it. And it's interesting because scientists say that it is some kind of a atomic glue that keeps these things together. But we as believers, we know exactly what it is, is that God holds it together. That God, the almighty God, Yahweh, that he holds all these things together, but there will come a day that he will let it all go. And we will see catastrophic things that'll happen on the earth, all over the world, And so many times people will say that maybe it is a nuclear, maybe it is something, but we know that God's word is true and these things will come to pass. And so that day of the Lord will come. The judgment will come upon the the earth and the people and this giant boom will happen when the Lord lets go of all things. So here in verse 11, it says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? in holy conduct and godliness. And so we see very clearly here that Peter says that how are we to live our lives knowing that the day of the Lord will come? How are we to live our lives? And I love this because one of the commentators said, if an angel Gabriel come down from heaven and told us that, you know what, tomorrow at five o'clock is gonna be, the, the rapture is gonna happen, and I'm letting you guys on a little insight. He said, would you live your life the same way you're living it now, or would you live it differently? Wouldn't you be beating down the door of your neighbor, of your loved ones or your family and friends and telling them that the Lord is coming and that we as believers, we need to be telling others that the Lord is coming and that he will return that his promises are true. There is a story, you know, I, I try not to involve too many stories in one um, part of scripture, but one of the things that, that I loved about this is that these two guys, they worked together for 15 years in the same company. They worked together and, and they worked in, a, in separate departments and they went, interestingly enough, they had never really, they'd worked together 15 years. Um, they had met each other, just acquaintance leave, you know, talked to each other, been to meetings together, but never really had a friendship. They were just acquaintance work, work, work friends, I guess they could say. And so one day they went to, uh, one of them went to a church, a, a conference, a men's conference. And they went there and as they went to the conference, he sees his friend. Or the guy that he works with, he sees him at the conference, and he said, "I didn't know that you were a believer." And he said, "I've been a believer for over twenty-five years." And he says, "I've been a believer for over twenty-five years." And they and they go up, and and they're just in awe that they've both been believers, and they work in the same place, but they didn't know it. And so they go up, and they talk to one of the speakers that is there at the at the at the pastor's conference, and they tell him their story that they've worked together for 15 years but they've met there and, and they didn't know each other were believers and it's interesting that they thought that they were going to be applauded but the pastor he told them you should be ashamed of yourself because we are to exhume Christ out of the way we live it's not just the way we live in the church it is the way we live each and every day that we are to live out the the word of God, that who God is in us, we are to live it out amongst our friends. We are not to change the way we live because we're in the workplace or because we're out at Lake Havasu or because we're in Las Vegas or wherever we're at. We are to bring Christ wherever we go and we are to shine his light in all areas of the world. And so I I just thought it was interesting in one of the areas that I see that's so interesting that we see that this uh, verse kind of falls right into it. So we ought to be living a godly life In holy conduct. And remember that when I was a kid, I grew up in the church in the stained glass windows that we remember that holy to me meant that they had a halo around their head and the stained glass. And that's what holy was. No, holy is set apart that we live in a world that people would look at us and they say they're different. And not only that though, that other people would say, our family and friends, our loved ones would say, I don't know what it is that Jerry has, but I want it. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I want it. And the world, you see, they look at that, and that is a light to them. But what they don't understand, that is Christ. It has nothing to do with us. It is Christ exhuming out of us the things, the love of Christ, that it speaks to people. Here in verse 12, it says, Looking for the hastening, um, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. We spoke about the, the amazing heat that's generated through a nuclear holocaust. Um, and we spoke about the things of God as he lets go. But I thought it was interesting, this verse here, it talks about the hastening. Um, the hastening, And, and I, I looked up this word and it says it, it's to cause something to happen sooner than it normally would. And, and this is interesting to me because tonight, before we started the study tonight, one of the things that we did, that we we prayed to the Lord that he would change the things that are happening in people's lives. There's people here that pray that, that, that things would change in my life. But we see that so many things happen in, in the book of Numbers, um, chapter 13, that we see that, that they send out 12 spies to spy out the land. They sent these 12 spies out and they, they went out and they spied out the, the promised land. And these these spies came back, and ten of them remember came back with a bad report. But there was two men that came back with a good report, right? We all remember who they were, right? Joshua was one of them, right? And, and Caleb was the other one. They came back with a good report, and the, and their their good report that they said they said, hey, but the other people were saying, hey, there's giants in the land. We're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be taken over by those giants, and we're gonna become their slaves. And they started to complain, why did you ever bring us out of Egypt? And we see that. That because they were complaining and murmuring, and they didn't have faith in the promises of God, that we see that something that the, instead of praying to God, what the, what happened there is an eleven day journey, an eleven day journey ended up taking them forty years to get to where they where they were going to be. But but one of the things that that I love about this that we see something in that we remember in the book of Jonah, in chapter three, that we remember that he after he was vomited up on the beach after he went 2,500 miles in the wrong way and was running from God, that God vomited, allowed him to be vomited up on the beach, that his message to the Ninevites, the people he hated, and the Lord told him to bring, to offer them that they could be saved as well. And his message was 40 days and you will be destroyed. That was his message. 40 days and you will be destroyed. And we see that the people of Nineveh, they repented. And we see that God relented and did it change what God had told him, had told the prophet Jonah that he would destroy them in 40 days. But from the people that we see that they repented, that it changed the heart of God. And he did not, he relented and he did not allow Nineveh to be destroyed. That he knew that this is the sovereignty in the heart of God. And this is the thing as we think about that we, the prayer that we have, right? And it comes from Matthew 6 10. It says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we truly pray these things, that this is the prayer that we should have, that on earth that it would be done as it is in heaven, we can usher in by prayer these things. And this is speaking about it here, the hastening of the things that we pray about, that we can move on the heart of God in our lives, in other people's lives, that we can change the outcome of things that are happening. And many of us, as we come here and the study and we hear, and this is the reason why I love the praise report so much as tonight, that we see there's people here that have had things happen to them physically, but we see the mighty hand of God moving, miracles that are sitting right before our very eyes, that we can see God is doing a work. And I know many of us in our lives, many times the outside world, they say that's a coincidence that this person was saved. Sure, he, he received treatment from a doctor and this doctor healed him. Well, who who, who gave the, the doctor the knowledge to study in the area that he learned that would come and medicate this person that would heal him of this thing that he has going on with him? It is God, all things. God has a, a plan for each and every one of us, and he knows what it is that we need, and, and the Bible is just so clear in telling us of these things that take place in our lives. It's just so powerful. Here in verse 13, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. One of the things I love about this verse, and this verse actually comes from Isaiah 65, 17, it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. This is such an amazing verse here in the book of Isaiah, because one of the things that we see is the word create. The word create in the original language is the word bara. And bara, in the, if you look at the definition of bara, is that God can make, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth out of nothing. That he can create it out of Nothing. That he can create this this new earth and this new heaven and this new earth out of nothing. There won't be anything rebuilt or refurbished. It'll be made new. And this is one of the things why as we see the word that it has to be. The earth will be destroyed by the things that are. That that God's not going to use anything that this earth has now. That he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Bara. That it's going to be something that's created out of nothing created out of nothing and so here as we go to uh, verse 14 it says therefore beloved looking forward to these things be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless one of the things that we see here that we see that one of the things that I love the way that Peter refers to everybody as beloved we see that he this is a term of endearment a love that he has for the people and we see that he says that we would be found in peace, in peace knowing that the promises of God, that, that we have surrendered and given our lives to God and that we will live a life in peace knowing that we have the promises of God, the, of the things that he has done and that he has promised. And we see that, that Jesus is referred, Jesus Christ is referred to as the Lamb Without blemish or spot, as he spoke about here, that these, some of these things, this spot and blameless, are some of the things that they consider of a sacrifice, that they, they, these are the things that they are to be. But as he is telling us to stay away from the world, to not to be contaminated, one of the things a, a pastor was saying that he was, one day he was invited over a friend's house on a cold day, and they were having, if you don't know what it is, it's a soup really, but they were having abondigas. And if you don 't know what that is, yeah yeah we 're rubbing our stomachs already. It is like a soup, and, and these abondigas are like just imagine huge meatballs you know and he was having a soup over this friend 's house and he said, as he was getting ready to dig into the soup, he said a fly came and committed suicide in, in his soup, right boom jumped into the soup and and so at that moment, he said really quickly, since he was over at his friend 's house, he took it he scooped it out with his spoon and he, he got him out, and he put him in his napkin. But as everybody started talking and they started all eating. He just kind of swashed around his food. And, and the reason why, he, at first he was thinking, well, maybe I should just eat it and try to be cordial and try to be nice. But then he started thinking, this whole thing is contaminated because this fly landed in it. And this is exactly what they're speaking about here in this verse, that we are not to allow the, the world to contaminate us, that we are to put our trust and our hope in Christ. And we are to put, look forward that the world would not contaminate us and that we would continue to seek the things of God. So here in verse 15 it says, And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him has written to you. One of the things that we see here is, as he points out that the long suffering, he goes all the way back to verse nine of the first chapter three, verse nine, and he speaks about the long suffering of God, that this is the reason why God has not come. It is because he has a heart for the lost. And I don't know about you guys here tonight, but there was a time in my life that I was lost. I was very lost. The road was here. I was hundreds of miles from the road. But thankfully, through the Holy Spirit, God sent someone to rescue me. And I'm thankful that he sent someone to rescue me. But we need to understand, and I'm always constantly speaking about this, the long suffering of Christ. There is people today who don't know Christ, but will come to know Christ by many of us. And I, and I know that I, I had a conversation with somebody this last week. And I know many times when we, we talk to people about Christ. And we uh, oftentimes we we break out of our shell. And we say God I don't know Lord. Please don't let this be odd. Let me, let me share the love of Christ with this person. And we do it. But oftentimes when we when we break that, that, that barrier. And we do what the Lord has called us to do. I don't know about you. But many of us we want that instant satisfaction that says. Alright this person received the Lord. But what we don't understand that many of us have been called to plant the seed. Others have been called to water the seed and then that seed will grow. But many times, so don't be discouraged sometimes if you share the love of Christ with others that they automatically don't automatically take the word of God and say, okay, I'm going to give my life to the Lord right here before you. We just need to do it in increments and do the things that God has called us to do because many of us, been called to, to plant, others have been called to water, and other, other people will actually be the ones that they'll come to Sunday at church, and, and they will share the love of Christ with, with them. Um, one of the things that I wanted to share with you, and it's really kind of off topic here, but one of the things that I don't know whether the Lord has been putting this on my heart for, for some time now, and, and I know that before we come on, that oftentimes we pray about marriage, and we, we oftentimes we, we pray about marriage, but I'm here to, tonight, to, and I wanted to share this with you that if you have been married for any length of time, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is, and I I wanted to share with you, I don't know why the Lord is putting this on my heart to share with you tonight. But one of the things that that he is putting on my heart that if you are having difficulties in your relationship with your wife or your spouse, one of the things that he is putting on my heart is just go to your wife or go to your, if if you're online and you're watching, you're having problems with your husband, go to your wife or your husband and say, I'm sorry, it's not worth it, guys. I'm here tonight to tell you, I grew up in a marriage and there was a lot of turmoil at the beginning. And I'm here tonight to tell you that I wasted, I wasted, if I add them all up, probably years being bitter with my wife. And and today I I am a man that's here standing before you that I know that I'll never get those days back. And today I wish that I could have those days back. I wish that I could get those days back and I could say, but I allowed... My stupidity, my ignorance, my allowing the, the, the little, uh, uh, the little wolf sitting on my shoulder telling me, don't let her, don't let her, don't let her win. Just ignore her, just ignore her. In my stupidity, it was my stupidity that I allowed these things to happen. So I'm here tonight to say, guys, that we, whatever it is going on in our relationship, that we need to say, you know what, it is not worth it. And we, not, we need not to allow the enemy as he, his tactics, we need not to allow the enemy to come in. We need to look to the things of God and remember what God said to each and every one of us, that he has forgiven us, that he has forgiven us of the things we've done. And he who is forgiven much loves much. We are to love others because we have been given by a father. Our heavenly father has forgiven us of the things that we've done. And many of us here standing before you, we, we can we can tell other people that many of us don't even know the things that we've done in our life, but God knows all things, but he loves us and he has forgiven us. And so we must go into our marriages, the gifts that God has given us and say, Lord, forgive me, allow me to to go forward. And even though that in situations, and I don't know why this is going so long, but the situations in our, in our lives, and I know many of us, they're complex in, in relationships, in marriages, those things are complex but we need to understand that we need to break them down very simply and say, do I still have the love of Christ for this person? Yes, I do. And this, is, and this is workable, that this is the things. And we need to always understand in marriage that the enemy wants to destroy the family. And we need to be aware of this, that the enemy wants to destroy our families and we can't allow the tactics of the enemy to go. You know, the reason, you know, this is not the reason why, but I, I'm oftentimes, I'm so intrigued by people in the workplace that they see somebody of the opposite sex come into the room, and they're very nice, very cordial to them. Hi, how are you today? How have you been? Oh, let me move that for you, and then they'll move things out of their way. Oh, okay, please go by. And they allow them, and they're very gentlemanlike towards them. But this is the thing that, that I don't understand, that sometimes the phone rings, and they're like, hello? And it's their wife. What What's, what's wrong? Okay, what do you need? Okay, thanks, bye. No, I love you. No, nothing, it's like, why be cordial to people and try to reflect Christ to people and we can't be loving to our wives. We, we need to be loving to the gifts that God has given us. It's so important that we see that and that, that's for somebody here tonight. And so here we go. Um, And so we're here in, in verse 16. It says, um, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand by which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. I think I, I missed verse 15. It says, I'll just read it here. And consider that the long-suffering, oh, I read it, the long-suffering of Paul. One of the things that's so interesting about is we see here as Peter contemplates and he speaks of Paul, that there was a time um, that Paul and, and Peter didn't see the eye to eye. There was a time that, that that Paul had to come down and he had to rebuke. Peter. Because what was Peter was doing is that Peter was eating with the Gentiles at a time. He was eating with the Gentiles. But when the Jews came around, he would, he would go back and he would not, no longer go with the Gentiles to eat with them, but he would go back to the law. And he, what he was doing is he would go back to the law and he would go back to kosher and he would no longer eat. And and one of the things that, that Paul came down and he told Peter, you can't be double minded. You 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 are you're being a hypocrite by the way that you're acting. And we see that he rebuked him, God bless you, he rebuked him in front of a lot of people. But one of the things that I see here in Peter that he did not hold it against Paul. One of the things that I think it's so important that we see there, as he didn't hold it against Paul, that he that we see that he here at the end of it, we see that this is the last words of Peter, that he's making amends with 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 Paul and saying that he had res- respected him as a man of God as he was. And one of the things that I think is so interesting that we see Peter, an apostle of God, that he is saying that the word of Paul is the word of God as well. So he is quoting things of Paul that we see here that he is bringing these things along. And I, I think it's so important that we see that. But in that um, relationship that they had, that they they kind of... Uh, He told him that it was a double standard. But one of the things that I see in that as he was rebuked, one of the things that I was so interesting and I don't want to take anything away from anybody, but one of the things that I think is so interesting, you see that Peter, when he was rebuked by Paul, he didn't say, hey, I'm the Pope, I'm infallible. He didn't. He accepted the rebuke and he knew it went against the things of God. And so we see that, That here, as Peter and Paul, as they're mentioned here in scripture together, one of the things I think is so important that they they settled their differences for the furtherance of the gospel. that, That the gospel would go forth in a mighty way and they settled their differences. Once again, we see the forgiveness in their heart. Spending time as Peter had spent his life, the three years of his life with the shepherd, with the shepherd, Jesus Christ. So here in verse 17, it says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, steadfastness, being led away with the errors of the wicked. And so he is telling them, beloved, Since therefore, since you know these things, since you know that there's false teachers, that you know that people want to lead you away, don't be led away by the things of the world. It's to Stay grounded, to stand firm in the things of God. And this is what Peter is telling him here in the very last verse. And we get to verse 18 here. It says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. One of the things that we see in this, when we consider growing in grace, when we consider the the whole area and, and we we're just, so, we're just so blessed to go to church. where a pastor that he speaks to us each and every opportunity he gets about grace because Pastor Ed is no different than many of us that we are just in awe that a God would pour out grace on me. We're just in awe. But one of the things that we see as we grow in grace, that the way we grow in grace, that we go to the source each and every day, that we go to the source and the source is spending time with our Lord and Savior. And these things will change us, will change the way we see the world, will change the world, and he will use us to do those things. One of the things that I wanted to share tonight as we close tonight, one of the things that I think it's so important that we see is that there was a a, a man, and, and, and this is a story being told from a pastor, but his I'll just call him, his name is Poncho. His, his name is Poncho. And so he is telling a story that in 1975, that he went to LA City College um and he had a friend there and his friend's name was Eddie and, and what's interesting you know that as they were college and this was before uh, he had been married later uh, uh poncho he became a pastor later on but he at this time he was not uh he was not a pastor he was not married um and so his friend Eddie he said his friend Eddie was loved to drink alcohol and he had a, an alcoholic drinking he would love to go out drinking he also he said he was a womanizer he, he loved to go different places with women um, and also one of the things also he said he was a party animal that no matter what party there was he was always there and, and one of the things so as they went to college together and he knew this about his friend's lifestyle um, but they oftentimes since they lived together that their 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 lifestyles kind of clashed because things were going on. But as they finished college and they went on, um, as they went on to their lives, it wasn't until like almost ten years later. He said in 1983, he himself became a pastor and he was at a pastor's conference and he was there and he wasn't teaching. He was just there to 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 go to the conference. And so he was there. So as he was walking around, he saw a man come to him and says, "Pancho, don't you remember me?" And he looked at this man and he didn't first visually, he didn't recognize him, but he said he could recognize his voice. And, and this man came up to him and he said, it's me, Eddie. And, and he said, I'm, I'm sorry. He said and so he came and he gave him a hug and he said, hey, you've just changed so much. And he says, "He says your, your, uh, your eyesight is still good, Pancho, because he said, I was involved in a serious motorcycle accident and I had to have my face reconstructed And he said, I had to have my face reconstructed last year. And so, through that, he said, and so, so, Pancho started to tell him, I'm sorry to hear this, Eddie, that these things happened to you. And he said, he said, don't be sorry. He said, because of these things, I've changed my life. And this is the reason why I'm here tonight, because I've given my life to the Lord. (laughs) And so, he, he, they were, they were both hugging there, and they were thinking, that's amazing that you've given your life to the Lord. And so, this friend, Eddie, he started to ask this, this pastor, and he started to ask him a question. He said, hey, Poncho, when did you become, when did you give your life to Christ? And he said, I've been a believer since 1975. He said that his friend Eddie kind of gave him a, a puzzled look and looked at him and said, hey, Pancho, what kind of friend are you? That when we were into college together, that you... Never told me that you were a Christian and you never shared Christ with me. What kind of friend are you? He said, when I was in this motorcycle accident, I could have died. And this pastor Pancho said it changed his life. That he, from that point forward, would never allow someone to have interaction with him without at least being the witness or sharing the love of Christ with them. He said it changed his life. He said he didn't have any bitterness towards the man. What he did is he felt that this was an opportunity that God was showing him. If you're gonna further uh, your walk with Christ in being a pastor, you need to share the love of Christ with all who you know. May each and every one of us in this room, may we go out and do the same. Amen? Amen. So Father God, we love you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for your word, um, which speaks to us so mightily, Father. Lord, we... uh, we ask once again, Father, tonight, Lord, that you would um, go before us, Lord. Help us to see what it is that you have for each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have a place to gather and to open up your word each and every week. We love you, Father, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.